From the iHeartRadio studios in New York City, come two diehard fans of the greatest rock and roll band hailing from Hollywood, California. Dissecting all things Guns N' Roses and anything else in their distorted minds, it's Brando and Scotto. And this is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 34. My name is Brando. With me as always, uh, well, usually, is uh, Scotto, <laughs> comma, Ian. What's going on there, Scruffy? <laughs> Uh, nothing much, man. Episode 34, it's crazy. Uh, actually, you know who I was listening to on the way to the studio Ooh. on uh, the subway? Who? For uh older guest, uh, Rachel Loren. Okay. Dude, she's pretty good, man. I, I dig her stuff. It's so funny, though. I still remember that episode. People were uh, not impressed by her GNR knowledge, and they were like, I know you have this ridiculously hot chicken <laughs> studio, <laughs> which, you know, she is, dude. She is amazing but she's she's got some good stuff as well yeah, so i've been following was... her she's been on on tour some uh some big acts i forget what yeah. who she on tour with i know she was doing some stuff with Dawkin and power man 5000 yes. I think recently yes yeah. power man 5000 no i mean that's what we do every episode we uh we try to have either a unique perspective or a yeah. unique guest and that kind of is a good segue into i know you weren't part of our last show uh but with joe, joe rock. rock joe rock who i used to work in uh radio with and he had a unique perspective as it wasn't the same uh, suckling at the teat of GNR as we tend to have. I mean, he's a Guns N' Roses fan, but he definitely puts up some walls. And, uh, you know, uh, he's more in, in the Springsteen camp as opposed to when we had Jim Rotolo. Who's in both camps, right. for sure. So we got some like, funny comments about, you know, because I asked Joe on a scale of 7 to 10 uh, bad apples. You know, our, our, what we call our, our friends. Yeah. Uh, he said he's a seven. So I had one listener, uh, we, we had a comment saying, oh, don't give him seven. Well, sometimes we need to have yeah. uh, a different point of view, like a political show or anything like that. Uh, another comment was, fun, uh, this, Joe went too far. He said that when he was up close to, you know, uh, at MSG at that show, that Axel resembled too much of uh, Donald Trump. So we had uh, Lou on Twitter just said, uh, what did she say? Dude, no, do not compare my babe with that orange-faced asshole. Other than that, I really <laughs> enjoyed the talk. So thanks to Joe. Thanks for all the comments from episode 33. But we move on to another very special guest in just a few. Yeah. Right? Ryan Roxy. Absolutely. But, I'm, I'm blown away by this guy's resume, which I'm going to tell him. But uh, Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm so excited that. And we're going to be calling all the way to Sweden. Even though he's from California originally. Yeah, yeah. So I want to find out why he's there and all that fun stuff. Uh, but I think this is the first episode that you are taking part of a segment I've been doing a little bit. Just kind of the, I, I guess we finally named, or I named it, the itinerary stuff we get to at the beginning of every episode. Mm -hmm. So instead of Shotgun Blues... News. <laughs> I never played that for you. Before, nice. Right? Okay. All right, I, wanted... I know that you've called it. Shot... You you've said shotgun news at one point, and I probably listened back. I you know I do try to check back what I can, and I, I listen to a million podcasts, uh, yes, including, you... including our podcast. Yes, you do. And the only one I listen to, honestly, is ours. It's uh, terrible. Not even Joe Rogan, man. They're too long. Honestly, 
Other than you like, don't have to listen to it all in one sitting. Other you know? than Neil deGrasse Tyson, I don't. There's nobody that I can listen to for that long. I'm telling you, I listen to Rogan. You, you split it up. That's what I do. Okay. Because right. <laughs> um, you have to hear. I'm sorry. Get... This is too, completely off topic, but you have to hear the interview he did with um, Tom DeLonge from Blink 182. Oh yes, that's because he is out of his fucking mind. That's it. Well, put a pin in that because that's another story that is fascinating. But in, in the shotgun uh, news, a couple things of note. Uh, Duff and another supergroup, uh, this time with uh, Mike McCready and uh, Barrett Martin of the Screaming Trees called the Levy Walkers, released a new tune called All Things Fade Away. To, Bar- be, to be fair, and mm-hmm. I don't mean to I don't say this to be a dick. Like, is that really a supergroup? You know, because I feel like he is the superstar of that group. Well, Mike McCready, I think, is pretty fucking big. You think so? I mean, from the, it, from it could Pearl be Jam? okay. There, I, so it could be outside of my wheelhouse then. Whatever you want to call it, but uh, if you want to check it out, it sounds just very early '90s. You okay. know, early '90s kind of not sad grunge, but no, it definitely has like a dated but good sound that I like. And and as all of you guys listening know, I mean, he's from that whole grunge scene, so that makes sense. Oh, totally. And Screaming Trees, of course. Uh, and another thing really quickly before we get on, Mr. Ryan Roxy, uh, speaking of podcasts, though, and speaking of Ryan, his buddy, Gilby Clark, uh, was recently on a podcast, interestingly, interestingly named Just Distortion, not Appetite for Distortion. Yeah. So he talked to <laughs> Distortion, an Australian podcast, and um, you know, talking about his upcoming album, and he said a couple interesting things. Uh, talking about when he first joined the band, uh, Guns N' Roses, of course, saying that they had just joined arenas, and how the band itself were were kind of overwhelmed, and not just him. And I think that the band never really dealt with losing Izzy. And he's like, I think that bothered Slash as far as one of the major songwriters and how to proceed from there. So he's like, more people pay attention to that stuff now than they did then. But it's just an interesting thing. So that's on Distortion, Gilby Clark. Hope to get him on Appetite for Distortion. Yeah, that sounds similar to what um, what people say about with like Jason Newstead and Metallica. Mm -hmm. You know that they they never got over the death death of Cliff, and that's why on on Ride the not Ride the Lightning, sorry, Injustice for All. The bases turned down low, and, and it was almost like they, they didn't even accept him as a full-fledged member of the band. I think, isn't that what uh, Bob Rock said in that Some Kind of Monster when they got Rob Trujillo? Saying, yeah, like, yeah, It's always going to be the three of you. Yep. It's going to yep. be a rotating. Maybe that's there's something to that. Same thing with the Chili Peppers and a guitarist, right? Great documentary, too, right? Yeah. Don't you think? Yes. But uh, let's put a pin in documentaries. Let's call Ryan. <laughs> So joining us for the first time on Appetite for Distortion, both of us are absolutely psyched, Ryan Roxy, at Ryan Roxy on Twitter and Instagram, RyanRoxy.com. And your resume is pretty intense, dude, between Alice Cooper, your own band, Roxy 77, of course, Gilby Clark, who we all know, and and a shorter stint in Slash's Snake Pit from 1999 to 2000, um, and also doing radio and podcasting. Uh, It's just an honor to speak with you, man. Thanks, man. I'm one of those guys that's been sort of in the trenches of rock and roll for quite a few years. So the the, great, the crazy thing about it is I'm still meeting new people that have never heard of, of, of myself or anything I've done before. So it's kind of cool every year you get new fans. Yeah, very cool for sure. So the first thing I was wondering, um, well, we was... have to we have to make note because we try to live in, you know, yes, this is recorded, but we try yeah. to, to live in the now. Because it's uh, 2 o'clock here in uh, New York City, but it is 7 o'clock your time, right, Ryan? Or 8 o'clock? It's actually 8 o'clock. 8 it's, o'clock. We, we uh, are always about 6 
You cut off right there. I hear something. You lose me? There oh, we go. There right we go. Here. He's back from the dead. What happened there? Okay. That was one of my best lines. They said I, we're in not so sunny Stockholm. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Well, uh, we'll make that work in there. I'll make it sound all terrible and rock and rolly. That's rock and roll anyway. But so you're you're living in Sweden. That was the uh, the point I was trying to make. So we're calling. Uh, so I, I really appreciate you taking the time. So it's eight o'clock your time. You, would you normally be doing something right now? Or are you like a Monday Night Raw kind of guy? I hope we're not taking up your time. <laughs> you know what? The perception versus reality is crazy because right now I'm making dinner for my two kids. Oh, nice. I, I love it. I love it. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. we, we won't keep you I'm, too long. I'm, cause... Flipping burgers, man. I'm over here flipping burgers right now. Oh, yeah. They're actually having hamburgers tonight. Nice. For, so, uh, a healthy, she's having a lettuce burger. <laughs> so a salad. <laughs> so it's so the first thing I I was wondering, and I'm sure we'll get into like why exactly you're in Sweden being a guy originally from California, but how did you get to know the guys, be it, you know, Slash and Gilby Clark? Well, we all were in the same sort of trenches of rock, which I said before. We, we were all in the same sort of club scene coming up in the – uh, mid 80s sort of late 80s in that whole scene which we like to refer to as the hair metal scene but uh, all basically scrounging and living around Los Angeles and uh, the reason how I met Gilby was I think I had the same black leather jacket and black spiked hair so they, they he was in a band called Candy and the guys in the band said well, you kind of look like us you, you want to join the band so <laughs> That that seemed to be so much of the case back then. Like you didn't have to play, but as long as you looked a certain part, yeah, you're cool. Come on. <laughs> there's an there's an old episode of the Brady Bunch called Johnny Bravo episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Johnny Bravo. You know, I think one of the, the I think it's Peter Brady or one of the Brady's gets the gig because he fit in the right suit. You know, he his jacket fit the right way. That's the reason you wanted me, because I fit the suit. That, that could have been the way I got into candy. I think I fit well into a leather jacket and Aquanet hairspray. <laughs> I like it. So you are from, uh, were you born and raised in California? Yeah, originally I'm from the Bay Area. I'm from outside of Oakland, California, and, uh, you know, which, which for better or for worse makes me a Raider fan. I'm sorry for that. I was actually wearing an old, uh, I swear, I wish I had it on today, a uh, Los Angeles Raiders hat from like 20 years ago. But, I was there when they moved. When, when they moved down, I moved down to L.A. So it was kind of a, you know, but you're probably, you're on the East Coast, so you might be a Jets or Giants, right? I'm a Giants fan, unfortunately, so I'm wearing a bag over my head today. <laughs> this year, this year's not so good. Not so good. No, no, not at all. So uh, how old are you? How did you get into, I guess, the rock scene growing up? Like, what kind of a kid were you? Were, did you always want to be a rock star, or did you fall into it accidentally? No, I, I I kind of put posters up on my wall at a very young age and said, posters someday. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? So now I can actually afford to print up posters of myself, and I guess stick them on my own bedroom wall. So, nice. Uh, I, I, it's basically, you know, I I looked up to these people. I, I listened. I put my I put my big old floppy headphones on when I was a kid. You know, my big old pioneer headphones, and I would just sit down and listen to these albums uh open up the cover read liner note you know from top to bottom and immerse myself in music 
basically do all my school homework with my headphones on and basically just said, this is what I want to do for, for a living. I don't have a black backup plan, so let's do that. So when I was 17, I moved down to Los Angeles, and uh, and luckily I found I came across Gilby and the guys in Candy. And I always tell people that, you know, whatever band you're playing in currently will usually lead you to your next gig, and one gig led to another, and that's how I ended up meeting Slash and Alice and a bunch of other uh, great people that I've played with over the years. Yeah, I was looking at your list of influences, and one of them that stood out to me was Steve Stevens because your career kind of mirrors his in a way. You know, like Steve Stevens, I feel like, is known as the guitarist for Billy Idol, but then you look at what he's done, it's like the guy's played with Michael Jackson. He did the Top Gun theme, uh, did that first Vince Neil album, which was actually a great album. And then, you know, you look at you, and most people might know you. I, I would probably say from Alice Cooper, just looking at the amount of albums you did with him, but then you look at all these other bands that you've worked with, and it's a really, it's a really cool thing to aspire to. I think as a guitarist to work with all this awesome talent. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it, and it's nice to be noticed for your body of work that you've done over the years. When you sit back and you finally look at it and go, "Oh wow, yeah, I did do like a heavy metal album. I did do sort of a very pop album when I did this album with an artist called Tal Bachman." So. I've been lucky enough to be exposed to a bunch of different types of, of music, but it, to me, it's always been just rock and roll. And that's where my roots lie in and guys like Steve Stevens. I mean, he's just one of my heroes growing up. And I, I think is it play great parts for songs. And that's why I've always tried to, to do the same. And um, I've always looked up to those guys like Steve Stevens, uh, Elliot Easton from a band called The Cars, Neil Giraldo from Pat Benatar Band. Sure. These are just guys that play amazing. Uh, they put amazing parts to amazing songs. So um, I've always been inspired by those type of players. Do you like, because th those kind of players, you may not, like we know who they are being in the rock world, but they may <laughs> not be a, a household name. But they're crucial to the music industry and the bands that they're a part of. Is that something that you, and I guess because it's a Guns N' Roses podcast, we may liken it to maybe Izzy, you want to be in the background a little bit more? Or do you prefer, do you want to be out there as a, a you know, front, uh, a lead sing, uh, lead guitarist, rather? Do you have a preference? You know what? I just want to play guitar for the rest of my life. <laughs> Call oh, it yeah. my job. How about that? <laughs> so, that, so it doesn't matter if it's if it's going to be known, unknown, or or you know somewhere in between. And I always say that I've been very lucky to have the level of success that I've had. So all encompassing that I do have a normal life. Like I can make hamburgers for my kids on a, on a <laughs> Monday night and I'm not, you know, I do have a very sort of normal life. And then when you're playing with Alice and I'm on tour, it's, it's a bit of a rock star life because I get to ride those coattails of a guy, a legend like Alice Cooper. Sometimes I look at Alice and I go, you know, with his fans, but it, and I, and then when I, my time with Slash that I was playing with him, I could see where, you know, Slash, didn't have a lot of private life. He didn't yeah, have yeah. any of his own time. It was always, you know, in the limelight. So in, in some ways I'm, I'm kind of happy about that, but obviously 
I don't go on stage and perform so nobody doesn't look at me. That's that's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you so, mean like what Maynard does? Like how Maynard's usually just in the back while Tool performs? And then nobody well, he's a weirdo, so I guess he's he's the exception to the rule. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Ian. Yeah. I, I was just gonna uh, there's tons of those, those those guys out there. I mean yeah. and and some guys that actually don't want to actually tour. And and to me that's always been the most read as like being a, a rock and roll musician, I, we're, at the end of the day, I, I look up to Alice. He's an entertainer, and that's what we kind of live for. We live for that sort of reaction. So, you know, the traveling, all that stuff that, that can seemingly get get you down, you better embrace it because there's so much good that comes out of this job of being a touring musician that the parts that might seem a little bit of a hassle or, you know, uh, tedious, not at all. You know, when you really step back and look at the big picture, not at all. There's there's people that would pay to do what we get to do every night. That sure. We get paid for you know. And Alice is still on the road even after you know he opens her Motley Cruz retirement just put tour. Out a new record. Just put out a new record. Um, you know, and, and you look at even Ozzy Osbourne is saying now this is going to be his last tour. We'll yeah. see if that's true because I remember when he said that in the nineties. Um, but just back to the question I was going to ask you about is I assume of the group that you came up with, Slash was the first guy to blow up and, and become huge. And I just want to know what that was like watching a guy that you came up with um, just become this major superstar. And, and how did it feel? Did you think that some of your other colleagues would, would get to that level? Well, let's put it this way. I mean, when we were all playing around uh, town in L.A. In the, in the 80s, everyone was playing gigs, whether it was the Whiskey or whether it was the Central, which later became uh, the Viper Room, or whether it was, you know, the Roxy. Um, the GNR was something special. You know, the first time I saw it, Guns N' Roses, I think it was around 1984, 85. It was a show at the Whiskey Go-Go. I had just joined that band Candy I was telling you about with Gilby Clark and John Schubert and Jonathan Daniel. And we, to this, uh, to the Roxy, and LA Guns was opening up the show. And then Guns N' Roses came on right after and just completely annihilated the place. This is when Steve Adler had like two drums. You know, he had a he had a, a big old kick drum and a, a snare drum and a floor tom and a, and a cymbal. And he just bashed the hell out of it. And, you know, all of us in the band Candy, we just looked at each other and we said, all right, so what do we do now? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. So I, I want to get uh, – excuse me if I'm, like, uh, skipping a few steps because you keep mentioning, um, obviously, with Slash, and I'm just looking at the, the track listing for – and I didn't know that you wrote uh, – I don't know if you wrote all the songs on 8 Life Grand or if you wrote some of them because that's – ever since I heard Mean Bone, when, back when VH1 used to play videos, like, I call that, like, one of my forever songs because that has been on every playlist I ever made. Uh, back before iPods came out, it was on like a CD mix of mine. Just that whole record is phenomenal. And when I found out, not only did you, of course, play on it, but you had your well. How much did you write? I don't want to put words. We in all there. wrote on it. Every okay. everybody, everybody. That that in every sense of the word, I will say this about the second Slash of Snake Pit record. And I've never gone on record of saying anything about it because 
you know, it's one of those albums that I think it's one of the the world's best kept secret albums. Couldn't not a lot of more. Couldn't not agree the more. masses have heard about that album that I feel should. But you know, it's one of those albums I'm really proud to be a part of. And in every sense of the word, that was a band album. We uh, split equally. Uh, everybody contributed. Um, Sometimes it would be a slash riff. Sometimes it would be a, a vocal idea from Raw Jackson, who is a phenomenal singer on that album, just phenomenal. Sometimes I, I bring in an idea. Matt Log would bring in ideas. Johnny Johnny Blackout, <laughs> as we call him, or Johnny Gapark. I mean, Teddy Teddy Zigzag, Teddy Andreatis was on it, and all the players that Jack Douglas produced it. So it was one of those albums that I tell you, if, if you haven't heard it, you know, go out, beg, borrow, steal. I don't care. Download it for free. I, I, we haven't seen royalties from that album for years, so See, that, can. That, that boggles my mind. Because I really feel. I agree with you. Yeah, uh, it's a musician's album. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> it, it's fun because what we do, and I, I'm glad that you brought up the first time you saw Guns Roses and in your reaction, because that's part of what we've inter, you know we've spoken about Ian and I and whatever guests that we have on and it's uh, so I've obviously spoken about that but I did not speak about the first time I heard Slash's Snake Pit I mentioned a little bit of that before but this band and I came in on the second album so I came in on your album I didn't know about the first one until after the fact and just like Guns N' Roses the Snake Pit logo is awesome just that cartoony badass looking snake with the top hat and the cigarette I printed it out on construction paper and I put it on my I'm dorm room sure wall. That was, uh, I'm pretty sure that was uh, Slash's brother that designed that. He and and I know that Slash had a. They they spent a lot of time, sort of going back and forth and getting that that uh, logo right. I know Slash was really particular about it, and uh, I'm glad it ended up the way it ended up as. It Very was, cool. It was sick, but I mean, just like Mean Bone, Landslide, there's just, like you said, a lot of tracks. And what when I started to do this podcast, I wanted to, you know, expand my mind more than just uh, listening to GNR, but kind of put them in a mix with every other offshoot of GNR. So I've been listening to a lot more Snake Pit and just offshoot bands. And the more I hear from that record, I'm like, why weren't th- these bigger hits? And so I guess my question is to you, do you think it had to do with, oh, this is just Slash's side project. You weren't given the right amount, the amount of respect, uh, perhaps something that we did wonder about when Velvet Revolver happened, but they had you know, more success, I guess you could argue. So what do you think was the issue? Yeah, I, look, at the end of the day, when you put out an album, you never know if it's the, the right time if it's the perfect storm, if it's the, you know, maybe it was, it's the right album, but released at the wrong time. Uh, and we had a lot of, I think, good songs on the uh, Ain't Life Grand album. Maybe it just wasn't the right time because it was a weird time in music, if you think about it. Yeah, it was like it the was height of height of new metal kind of, right? Yeah, like new metal, rap rock. And, and yeah. here we are, you know, I, I want to really tell your, tell your listeners and, and get them to, to, to listen to Rod's voice on that album. I, I'm, I'm, when I listen to the record, even today, I, I get, you know, the hair standing up on my arms on certain songs because of his voice. And to be honest with you, I thought, you know, some of Slash's best guitar work as well. 
So cool, man. So I'm not going to ask about how the band came about because I know that you weren't original, weren't, you know, the original rhythm guitarist for the band. But what I'm wondering for when you did join the band, what does Slash look for in a rhythm guitarist? Because I'm sure he's got his pick of pretty much everybody. He's an iconic lead player, as we all know. What what do you think it was about your sound that he said, this is going to fit for my band? I think the fact that we played well off each other. You know, we really bounced ideas off each other. We we started it when he would come and guest on uh, Alice Cooper shows. And he started showing up more and more at Alice Cooper shows. And so I kind of knew something that was up in the back of my head. I was like, okay, well, Flash just keeps showing up. And he keeps sort of, you know, stumbling over to my side of the stage when we're playing these Alice songs and, and we, and you know, back in those days, yes, it was legitimate stumbling. And, <laughs> and the thing was we, we would play well off each other. Like I would, my parts would kind of complement his. So then when it came time for us to, to write together, um, I always was able to sort of write a counterpart to his that seemed to jive and, you know, it was a good chemistry with it when it when it came to us playing music together. I, you you kind of have to understand. I was there for the beginning because okay. I was actually because I, I was actually touring with Gilby Clark when the whole first Snake Pit record was discussed and and being recorded. So I was literally hearing all the conversations going oh. because uh, I was playing guitar for Gilby Clark at the time when he was doing his solo tour, and then he went directly into the studio right after his tour ended. So I, and, and of course I've, I've, i over the years I've played with Matt, I've played with Brian Tishy, uh, Eric Dover and I played together for many years in Alice Cooper's band. Mm-hmm. So the, the history runs pretty deep okay. between yeah, the Alice Cooper band and uh, Slash the Snake Pit. In fact, a lot of people don't know this, but when I first joined the Alice Cooper band, originally one of the ideas floating around was that the two guitar players for that 96 tour when I started was going to be Gilby Clark and myself. Okay. Very cool. On on that first Alice Cooper tour. Unfortunately, you know, Gilby had to keep doing his stuff with his solo record. He had some commitments with his, with his own. But uh, yeah, that idea was Gilby and I playing, you know, doing handling the guitar work for Alice. So I, I, I've been around, you know, that whole scene, the first version of Snake Pit, and then obviously the second version that uh, in Life Grand. With that knowledge, what I'm wondering then, how long after the demise of GNR did Slash say, I got to put together this band? And, and like, how did that all come about? Well, there was a really long time where it was kind of in limbo. I, I think that nobody knew of the band where the band stood for a long time. You know, in fact, I, I mean, I distinctly remember <laughs> when we, when we did that first round of, uh, of, of demos with, with slash, you know, he just, uh, we listened to it and we listened to the songs and I just looked at slash, I go, you know, who would be the perfect singer for this. And I just looked at him and he goes, don't even say it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Axel. It was always, you know, sure. it was always in his his mind. I think it was definitely in the, you know, in the back of the conversation. So I, I kind of, I, I think everybody kind of knew that this would eventually uh, come full circle and they'd be playing together again someday. So then with the 
what what Snake Pit was in that first record, and then changing uh, you know players in the second. I mean, now I guess he's settled on Miles Kennedy when he does his own records, but like the first slash record had a different lead singer on it every time. So, what do you think that's about? Do you does he like working with all different singers, or he hasn't found well other than Axel the right one, or does any of that pertain to what happened with uh, Snake Pit? Well, I think one of the one of the first ideas that we had come up with was that idea of getting a different singer for every song mm. uh, when we were first jamming because we couldn't find that. We'd tried out a lot of singers at up to that point. And then, you know, I just would always say, well, Flash, you know, you're friends with all these guys, whether it's Iggy Pop or Lenny Kravitz or, or you know, you're friends with all these guys that are, are sort of personalities. Just make an album with with you know, a different singer. And then, and luckily for us, uh, Rod Jackson sort of stepped into our lives. You know, he, he was, he's such a mystery, that guy, you know, it's like, we heard, oh, there's some guy from Santa Monica. I think he lives under freeways and he, you know, he, <laughs> he walks in the night and he just walked into our, into our studio with like, you know, he might've been barefoot. I swear he might've been barefoot. Just like Jesus. <laughs> And, and and he just unleashed this voice, and then right when we heard Rod's voice, we said, "Well, there you go. We found our guy." Yeah, no, that since the first track, been there lately. It, that's uh, that's still one of my favorite tracks, and still one of my favorite records. Uh, it's not just because you're you're on here. So he definitely has that voice. And when I saw that, uh, it was like a concert vid of um, of Mean Bone. I was I was hooked. Just like that. So right. it's, it's interesting that you, you, you brought up that idea of the different lead singers all those years ago, and then he did it, you know, something years ago with Ozzy and Adam yeah, Levine. Just and I mean, it's not, like some, it's not like some idea that it's like no one ever thought sure, of. Sure, sure. <laughs> in his ear for years, you know. He's like one of the biggest influential of our generation, you know what I'm saying? So he, he's got that respect of every you know, singer that's out there. So why not use that, you know, to your advantage? And I thought the, the way he, uh, that, that first record with all the different singers, I thought that was a great, you know, it was a great approach to that album. And I think it, it definitely ended up being positive all the way around. There's been a lot of rumors over the years from people inside and people who probably aren't really inside that Slash had, you know, during his time in Snake Pit and away from Guns N' Roses, had this obsession with Axl Rose and that there were songs written that were, you know, hit that were meant to be shots at Axl, but no one really knows as someone who truly was on the inside is, is that bullshit or is that the real deal? I, I honestly don't think so much about that. I, I don't think that, that Slash consciously did that at all because I think Slash is, he's, he's, he's the riff guy. He comes in with some of the most kick-ass riffs I've ever heard, and everybody knows that. So, you know, if you're going to try and flag somebody with a riff, I, I maybe? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I, like I said, I, I, I think, you know, strength is that he, he his sense of timing and the style that he plays. Like, when you hear a guitar solo on the radio, you know, you know it's him. If it, you know, if it sounds like him, so, you know, certain players have that ability to do that. And I think that's what we all aspire to do as guitar players. We aspire for our own sound, our own tone. You know, it, 
Flash has been able to achieve that because, you know, when you hear a, a GNR song and you hear the guitar solo, you go, oh, yeah, that's Flash. Or even if you hear a different song. And there's very few guys like that out there. There's like Van Halen. You know that Eddie, when Eddie Van Halen plays, that's Eddie Van Halen. When Randy Rhodes plays, hey, that's Randy Rhodes. When Angus Young plays, hey, that's Angus Young. So, you know, the fact that one of our guys from our generation uh, with those names I just mentioned, that, that says something. Yeah, he has absolutely an epic tone. Um, so is that to say he didn't have any hand in any of the lyrics on the Snake Pit albums? No, he did. He actually would come up and 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 come up with ideas with Rod as well. And and every like I said, it was in every sense of the word a band album. I we yeah, I, the whole process was fascinating to me because you mentioned earlier my short stint in in, uh, in Snake Pit. It didn't feel like a short stint. Let me tell you because <laughs> we we made that we made that fucking record three different times. Wow. Uh, we. We basically recorded it with Jim Mitchell, uh, who's a great uh, engineer that was down in the, in the studios every single day. He's just as much a part, is just as much a part of that uh, as, as the band was. So Jim Mitchell, we recorded it I think once or twice with him, and then Jackless came in and, and produced it as well. So every single day, um, our band all time was around twelve noon. Now that, that didn't mean Flash showed up at twelve noon. <laughs> We're all in his house, <laughs> so we used to we used to have this thing called Slash Talk, and I'm and, and I'm sure Slash is still, you know, operating on the same clock. But uh, it was it was well, it's it was five o'clock somewhere. Uh, Sorry, I had to make a snake pit joke there. <laughs> I know it's the other. Well, one I left you up that one. I left you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So the thing was, he you know, he'd uh, come down from somewhere in the house we lived in a place he, he lived in this place called uh, uh somewhere in beverly he called it hotel california because it literally looked like the place uh it looked like the album cover hotel california nice. and so he uh he come down every single day from around one or two in the afternoon to like 10 11 midnight we'd be down there make you know writing off ideas. I mean, there's a lot of songs that didn't make the actual uh, Ain't Like Grand record that could easily be on um, on a record, any current, any, any one of his current records as well. Because I'd say that, you know, Flash's strength, his riffs, they're, you know, they kick ass. And, and the cool thing about those riffs that we wrote for that album, I think is there's a, there's a certain air, a bit of timelessness to them. So you can put it on now or you can put it on 10 years ago or hopefully 10 years from now. And it kind of all sounds rock and roll. That makes me wonder, is, is there maybe an anniversary edition in the works with like an uh, extra disc or something <laughs> of unreleased material? I would love it. Well, I think that's how his hands full. He's going to be making the next uh, GR record for the next, you know. So you well, think that'll happen? happen why shouldn't it i mean patience <laughs> <laughs> they wrote that song ages a long time ago man so you just have to have it <laughs> exactly we have no choice so i guess take us through what did not feel like a short stint in snake pit take us through your your entry into the actual band even though you were surrounding it during its uh, incarnation 
and your exit because you were not with the uh, the touring band for that that album. If I'm, am I correct? I did, I did actually do some touring. Okay. With, with we did an, yeah, we did do some touring. We did a whole uh, southern United States tour, and it, it was on that tour that I realized that it would be it would be hard to survive. <laughs> Like three or four of those tours with with the intensity that we were going at it every night. <laughs> oh. It was it was burning the candle at both ends, definitely. But that wasn't the reason why for my exit. My exit, you know, had solely to do with an opportunity to go on a uh, two year tour. It was for an album that that I had just gotten done recording with him called A Brutal Planet. And he wanted me on that tour and asked if I could do it. And I looked at the options of, you know, near future with Slash and a two-year tour with uh, Alice. And, you know, they didn't have, you know, I always used to joke with Slash, but it wasn't joking. And ha- it was a half joke where I said, look, I don't have appetite money. Hmm. You've got appetite money. So I need, I've got, I need to, have, you know, I have an appetite to have some food for dinner. So. <laughs> I, have an, I have a literal <laughs> appetite. I need to eat. <laughs> so okay. I respect that. Okay. So basically, no. And, and the thing was, to be honest with you, my history with Alice is, like I said, I've, I've always been Alice my utmost uh, priority because I have such respect for him. And I think, you know, I, I, in fact, I know that Slash does too. I mean, so it's, it, Alice is one of those artists where it, it doesn't matter who you are or um, what you've done. You're going to respect Alice and his career oh, yeah. and his uh, sort of just iconic, iconic personality as a, as, a, as a show person because you know he's he's last of the of, of the rock stars to be honest with you i mean there's mm. it's like him and ozzy are running that marathon to see who's gonna outlast it and everyone knows mick jagger's gonna outlast them all <laughs> yeah who's left i mean iggy pop maybe as well uh but no you're you're yeah i mean it's a, it's a look it's a small group of guys and and alice always tells me look i i want to tour five years more than Mick Jagger. And I said, well, good. That, that means for five more years. Well, do you think there was, is there a snake connection between Alice and, uh, and slash? Is that how they, uh, they bonded just over, you know, showing off their pet boa constrictors and. Uh, it would sound like that sounds feasible, but totally not true. Okay. (laughs) Alice is, trust me, slash is like a true, fan of snakes i mean when we would go to his house he had at one point he had you know the zoo going on and he had tons of snakes and piranhas and you know all these dinosaur models he's truly into reptilian animals and the whole bit whereas you know alice cooper is more like yeah i I, it works on stage because, you know, people think it's creepy to have a boa on stage. But, you know, trust me, the second that boa gets off it, off him on stage, it goes back into the box. <laughs> yeah, it's like more of a gimmick. Uh, and I assume touring with Alice has to be completely different. You know, when you said touring with Slash, burning the candle on both ends, uh, Alice Cooper, from what I know, is like a pretty straight-edge guy, right? He's been sober for a while. 
But I think everybody now is a, a little bit more in check, and everyone's got their head in check. Alice, you know, from the time I met him, he had he had already done all that, right? He and and every it's no uh, it's no secret, you know, what he did. He, he you know, guys like him and Steven Tyler, they kind of pioneered all the stuff that we did in the eighties and the early nineties because you know they'd done it once, twice, three times before already. So um, in that sense, played it through. You know, well, not all of us, you know, and, and sorry that not all of us did, but we're very fortunate and very, very grateful that we did make it through that hole. And uh, now we're here and everybody works. And that's, we just, we just did a show with uh, GNR in San Paulo about three weeks ago, maybe, a, you know, about a month ago. And uh, it was a, a really good one. And it was the first time I'd seen Slash in years. And, uh, we said a quick hello, and you know it was good. So is it, everything ended on good terms then? Everything's on fine terms now. I'm not sure if like when I went off on tour uh, with Brutal Planet, if it was all you know uh, wine and roses instead of guns. <laughs> I'm not sure. If it, I'm not sure if it was all just daisies and and, and you know you know what hey. Hopefully, at the end of the day, everybody understands that, you know, we as musicians, we need to work. Yeah. We need to to provide for our families. And at the end of the day, we make a living playing. And, and that's what I ended up doing for the next, you know, how, how long has it been now? 20 years since then. So I'm still up there and I'm still in, in the trenches and I'm still doing doing my best to, to rock and roll every single night. I'm wondering as a radio guy and, and Brando and I were talking about it before. Yeah. I love, I learned that after the fact that you know, you're in radio or you have been in radio and uh, you're also Polish, right? I'm half Polish. Uh, Ryan Roksevich is uh, the, <laughs> for the, uh, the stage name. I, I, I guess Roxy sounds a lot better than Roksevich, and uh, and it probably fits on a marquee better. I guess. I'm only saying because I'm Polish. So instead of being Brandon Weisler, you... I'm Brando. So, but I'm just wondering how uh, how <laughs> that all happened care. because you're you're a guy who went from not only doing the podcast thing, which we're doing now, but you've also done terrestrial radio. So, how did that all come about? Um, it was just because. I guess I like to talk a lot and, <laughs> and my voice gets really nice and deep and growly after I've been talking for a while. So some people told me, they said, you know what, you, you sound like you have a cool voice. Why don't you try doing some radio and you like to talk to people, you know, try doing interviews with, with a lot of people that have been on tour. Maybe you'll ask some questions that they normally wouldn't answer from a, uh, a journalist sort of viewpoint, but maybe they'll take it from, because you've done it before, they'll they'll answer the questions. So just start asking them. And I did, and it kind of worked. So um, I've been able to do a, a couple TV shows and um, some web TV stuff and also some, uh, like you said, terrestrial radio. So when I, whenever I would have a, 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 my choice for, for the songs I put on the show, I'd always try and reach deep into the uh, bag of tricks and sort of be more of an, I don't know, maybe try and give some rock and roll education to people that had, you know, heard maybe the obvious song, but how about going back into a band's career and playing the less obvious song, but that still rocks just as much. 
Oh, sure. That's, I mean, that's kind of radio 101, what we want, but there's a lot of program directors who spend millions of dollars to tell you that you need to play Stairway to Heaven for the hundredth time in a row. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm with you. I mean, someone like you who can get away with it. Like I know like little, little Steven's show uh, can get away with playing the rarities, so I definitely appreciate that. From one DJ to another, uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> but you've done radio in, in Sweden, too, as well? Yeah, I did a show called Roxy on the Rocket. Rocket FM, 103.6 Rocket FM. It's a, <laughs> it was a college station. It's like right here in Stockholm. So, um yeah. How is radio there? I want to know how it's different. Is it is it different there? Because I work with a lot of radio uh, stations, not, I mean, from around the country and around the world. So I like I like working with uh, – there was one that came in from South America and, and the U.K. So I like seeing how different shows operate. So is there a difference between American radio and – I think there's, there's less sound effects, so there's no fart noises. <laughs> you, guys... you mean no sound effects? Hey! I don't know what we're yelling about! <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, sorry. I have, I have some sound effects. <laughs> All right. So they have more highbrow radio in Sweden. Okay. I wouldn't say that. I just say that, you know, we can't afford the sampler. So, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what was, what was the original reason for moving to Sweden? Yes. Oh, that was uh, because... <laughs> I was married before to a Swedish girl, and uh, uh, our two kids are Amerisweets. So um, we, in the process of the last uh, 10, 12 years, we split up, and now I'm remarried to a South African. So you got a guy from California, a girl from South Africa, <laughs> and uh, and two kids that are half Swedish and American, that, and American that just want to live someplace where it's warmer. <laughs> they make some pretty awesome horror movies in Sweden. Let the Right One In is one of my favorite ones ever. And America made a remake, and they ruined it, of course. Sorry, I'm a horror freak. And I guess make, I everything that they make here in Sweden is actually really high quality. As you know, you think about it. When you think about the technology, you think about um, think about just all the different types of music that's high quality that comes out of, of Sweden and Scandinavia. You know, there, there's some the whole black metal scene, sure. you know, the, the whole indie pop scene that comes out, the whole just like straight ahead rock and roll that comes out, uh, doom music. There's so many different genres uh, and good genres of music that come out of Sweden. So I'm actually really happy to be um, uh, part of that music culture here. I, I was in a band that we made, uh, I was on two of the records, but they, they put out three records, but I was on the first two, a band called Casablanca. Hmm. And if you have you haven't heard of them, that that could easily fit into that whole. Uh, if you're talking about the family tree of, of you know from Slash and all the stuff that I've done after that, go check out Casablanca. It, um, the album's called Apocalyptic Youth. Okay. And that's another one of those albums that I hadn't heard, but uh, maybe when you do hear it, you'll be like, oh, shit, this is one of those ones that maybe fell through the cracks. Some really good music on those albums. Nice. Not, we will. That's what we do here. So, I'm gonna hold you to it, I'm, and I'm gonna also hold. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna hold you to uh, playing my new solo record when it comes out early next year. So that's what we're working on. Yeah, right we'll now. definitely I, I play. Just finished. Uh, yeah, I've, I've done some albums uh, under the name Roxy Seventy Seven. You know, with an American lineup with Mike Fasano and Jeff Morose played bass on it. But they were the. Uh, 
American lineup, and then I have a, a Swedish lineup. I made an, an album called Roxy 77, Two Sides to Every Story, and that had, you know, Anton Schorbert on drums and, you know, Swedish guys and, and Magnus and Eric Riedman and all these names. I feel like I'm winning an Academy Award or something. <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. I won't make any playoff music. Don't worry. And we'll, and we'll definitely play some clips of it on the show when it comes out. That's really no, cool, man. He's going to come back on, and he's going to tell us about the new yeah. record. That's how it's going to work. That I'm excited that? for. Let's make that a deal. I'll come back on when, when the, the – so, like I said, I made these Roxy 77 albums, but this is the first uh, solo album that I've made. Uh, I kind of – you know, I, I the producer that I worked with, uh, Christopher Follin, he said – Listen, Ryan, a lot of people know you from Alice, and they know you from playing with Slash, and they know you as a guitar player. You've done these Roxy 77 albums where, you know, you singer-songwriter type stuff, and you do play some guitar solos on those albums, but it's not focused on that. Let's make an album focused on your guitar play. I said, okay, well, I'm still going to write the songs I like to write and the songs that, that I, the style of which I like, but there's going to be a guitar solo on every song. So we did 10 songs, 10 guitar solos. Nice. That's the, awesome. The world is, is void yeah. of guitar solos. <laughs> you it's need, true. You need more of them nowadays. So I appreciate you donating to the cause. <laughs> well, you know what? If you can try, and the thing I'm most proud about is that some of the songs are three minutes long, you know, three minutes, 310. You still got a guitar solo in there. So if you can fit a song with a guitar solo and under three minutes, Rock and roll. Yeah, that's like rock and roll for the millennial. There you go. Yeah, it's funny because as as Ryan was talking about, you know, Slash's Snake Pit possibly being at the wrong time, I think like the grunge era, the new metal era, you could kind of say killed the guitar solo. Like a lot of those bands, you yeah. don't hear a guitar solo in those songs, and they got rid of like the flashy sounding 80s guitar solo so you know i'm looking forward to hearing that it's funny we're saying like all the awesome stuff in sweden there's allegedly some very sexy ladies in sweden as well right <laughs> i've heard but you know what <laughs> i'm bound i'm bound by 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 wedding vows now to say that that, that the hottest girl comes from from south africa <laughs> all right <laughs> that... but, but, you know the, the, here's the comical thing you know uh and in natasha grace's mom uh victoria she's she's Swedish and she's um, she's more petite and brunette. Doesn't look as Swedish as Bianca, who I'm married to, who has is like you know six feet tall and blonde. So it's it's, it's weird that the South African looks more Swedish than any of us in the entire family. Mm, very cool. I, South, it's true. <laughs> I think that's what I mentioned before. There was a, a radio show from South Africa that came up here to Tribeca to do. They were visiting New York. And there were definitely some beautiful women on that radio staff. But I was professional. My last name is Weisler, not Weinstein. You okay. You didn't put the fart sounds on. You didn't put the That's not how I impress the ladies now. Baby in the dog. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, Ryan, it, it really was like a, a pleasure to to talk to you, and the fact that you know you responded, just you know how open you are uh, to talking, and, and just when we put it out there to our listeners that we were going to talk to you, just the feedback that we got that our listeners can't wait to hear from you uh, is just super cool. So uh, I think it's okay, especially since Ryan is going to come back when his record comes out to you know officially anoint him a bad apple. That's what we call our our friends, bad apples. See, there's there's the soundbite for you. The last one for me.
All right. And I actually get a whole, I get a sound bite as well to go with that. That's perfect. Yes. You're, you're a bad apple. <laughs> it's a good thing I, I don't have like an iPad that I do this walking around. I would be committed. What if it was that Michael Jackson or the Jackson 5 one bad apple don't for the whole bunch? Girl! <laughs> <laughs> I may have, may have to I add that, that be, to the archive. That one wouldn't go over it. Well, maybe not. I mean, there is a connection. Slash did play guitar with Michael Jackson, so it's, you I'll, know, the. I'll, I'll, I'll shoehorn the reference in there. That's fine. So, Ryan, how could we, uh, how could fans right. find you? I know you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter, your website, uh, everything that we need to know, all things Ryan Roxy. I'm on Instagram. I'm on uh, Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on tour. That's how you're gonna find me because I, I, it seems like this whole year I've just been on tour, which I'm really happy and grateful to be on. But man, this has been a long one. We this year, Alice has done over a hundred shows. We've been to five of the seven different continents. Couldn't book a gig on Antarctica, so kind of bummed about that. But I mean, literally, we've we've had some good times. We've got to meet a lot of people. And obviously, you know, because we're all in the sort of family of classic rock, you know, there's so many GNR fans that have come out and, and, and met us as well. And whenever I see a Ain't Life Grand album that I get to sign that I haven't, you know, uh, signed yet or, or whatever, I, I get really happy inside because I, I know that there's still a spirit and that album out there. And like I said, I, I really appreciate the fans. So anyone that hasn't heard of me uh, or hasn't heard of me in a while or whatever, come and approach me and come and find me and uh, come and say hello, okay? I love it. I really appreciate it, Ryan. I, I didn't uh, double Thank check you this. Guys, man. I can't, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to, to coming back and you know, I was playing some tracks off the solo album, but for now, I I got to go finish dinner for the kids because I think I have to go do dishes now. Yeah, yeah do your thing. I, one last question I'm wondering, because I, I, I didn't double check this, but were you playing um, with Alice during the Motley Crue tour? Yeah, we did uh, well, two years with Motley Crue. So there you go. Uh, I've seen Ryan live and I didn't even realize it. So <laughs> great tour, by the way. <laughs> well, thank you very much. A thank lot of people. That was a gift. That was just a gift because, I mean, we, we there's three bands every night, uh, yep. and we went on the middle slot. So, you know, anybody out there that's aspiring to get on a tour where the where the last band is retiring, get that middle slot. Let me tell you, one hour a night, <laughs> just go out there. <laughs> I mean, I'm a diehard Motley fan, but a lot of people felt that Alice was, you know, should have been the headliner for that tour. A lot of people felt that some nights Alice was blowing Motley off the stage, but... You know, that's just I'd say, some opinions. I'd say Molly, came, Molly brought it every night. Man, those guys, they 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 brought their whole production. I mean, they didn't, there's not one. I mean, look, how can we compete with a friggin' drum roller coaster? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, and, and, they, and they brought half of the Armageddon, you know, movie pyro, you know, show. So it's like every night they blew up, you know, half a country and they like sort of, flew around in the air on, on a drum you know we were lucky like i said we were lucky to have that that those those uh songs that allison and and his guys wrote you know schools out 18 poison we're lucky to have those songs in our pocket so when we played them it was like okay we they the crowd knows these songs and and that's like i said always the beauty of playing with Alice is 
when, wherever we play, whenever we play, you know, you're going to know, you know, one, two, or maybe the whole entire set of songs because he's that type of guy. That's why I'm really lucky to be able to play with him. Amazing. One super quick question, and then I will let you, because uh, I don't want your daughters getting mad at me. Uh, and it's regarding Alice. Not my daughter. Do, yeah. do you foresee, and I'd asked uh, uh, Catherine, uh, Alice's radio producer, this question. Do you foresee Alice ever going on stage with Guns N' Roses again to perform The Garden? It would have been perfect to perform at Madison Square Garden, but that did not happen. Aha, aha. I know. Wasn't there? There was two songs off that album, right? Uh, there was there was the Garden, and then there was another song called Garden of Eden. Right, uh, and Alice played song. on the Garden. Use your illusions. You know what? Garden of Eden was my favorite video that Guns N' Roses ever did. <laughs> the fishbowl lens, I love it. <laughs> Absolutely, but but okay. Now I digress. So, do I think he'll actually go? You know what? I think why not? Because Alice is. I mean, you just saw him. I don't know if you just saw him on David Letterman. Mm-hmm. Uh, or not David Letterman, but you saw him on the Jimmy Kimmel show with with uh, Dave Grohl. Yeah. Oh, and he cut off his head. But oh, dude, it was amazing. So like, I was so proud of the way Alice performed that song on national TV. Battle of Dwight Fry. I mean, that to me was something so rock and roll because you know, listen to that song. That's so not what mainstream America was ever about, much less you know, late night TV. And here he was doing this production. You know, it was how the Halloween show cutting his head off, doing the whole theatrics and having the food fires back him up. That was amazing. Mm. You know, I, I wouldn't hold it past Al, you know, getting up on stage with, with anyone. I mean, I, I know his dream would be get up on stage with, uh, with the stones before at one point before uh, the stones stopped touring. So we just got to, Try and get on that tour, I guess. <laughs> All right, let's try to get a Stones, Cooper, GNR tour going. All for that. You know what? <laughs> we wouldn't even go on middle slot. We we would gladly go on first. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Ryan, th- thank you again. Go enjoy your hamburgers. Uh, again, you know, please right. stay in touch, and uh, we'll definitely talk to you soon. Thank you again. Appreciate it, and thanks for sparing all the sound effects and fart noises. And uh, <laughs> okay. we'll see you guys soon. All right, thanks, absolutely. Man. Thank you for taking the time. See you guys. I just think that was fucking cool because I know you weren't so big into Snake Pit. I guess growing up, uh, I don't know yeah. what what your perception was of them. Were they maybe it was like that for me with the Juju Hounds? I got into them later. They were kind of just always in the back of my mind. Never really paid attention. But Snake Pit, like I told you. In my dorm room, I had the logo on my wall and, you know, on my Winamp. I had that entire second record that Roxy was on. So just to talk to him all these years later, it's just cool. It's another experience through this podcast, how he spoke to Anthony Boza. You know, I read his books years before interviewing him. So it's another one of those. It's a cool moment for me. And I'm, I hope uh, you enjoy this interview as oh, well. Oh, yeah. And I didn't realize that I saw Ryan live, which was pretty cool. I'm wondering. I forgot to ask him if he was touring with them. I think I saw Alice in 02, maybe. We- I mean, if you look at how long he's been in Alice Cooper's band, kind of like on and off, it's a really long yeah. span of time. Yeah. So, yeah. I. Uh, Really cool. And I actually do think it looks like Alice Cooper is going to outlast Ozzy Osbourne because Ozzy is saying this is his final tour. He's doing like a two-year type it's thing. It's going to start next year. Yeah, the said. same way like Motley Crue did their final tour where it was like this long two-year thing. 
Um, I do believe this will be the last one, though, this time, because he's getting pretty up there. He is, and he said he wouldn't negate doing some one-off shows. Yeah, so like I, like Bark at the Moon during the uh, solar eclipse. And it actually happened. I, that's so cool. I have a friend who went to that. Because it's amazing. Like, only with Ozzy could that happen. Yeah, but, if you're a radio nerd, you might know him. Uh, Derek, a.k.a. D-Bag, who was on <laughs> Sam Roberts' show uh at the time, and then uh, Jim, you know Jim Norton and Sam. Okay. So yeah, he he went all the way there to see Ozzy Osbourne perform "Bark the Moon" during a total so, full solar eclipse. That's incredible. <laughs> uh, so actually, kind of segues into a little bit. Like, what do we talk about? You know, is it is? I guess this is not the final Guns N' Roses tour. I like to hope. No, no uh, way. Yeah, I, I doubt it too. I mean, just because the certain things with like the Duff Supergroup we spoke about. Or These are the, small things, though. Right. You know what I mean? They're not even they're not playing arenas. No, they're... or the ambiguous comment. I forgot who from the conspirators said it, saying that they're looking forward to next year. Yeah, uh, one thing you I never was, know. I was gonna ask Ryan, and then I kind of opted out of it when I was like prepping for the interview. Was if he thinks Slash um, misses playing these small, intimate gigs. But I don't think he does because the fact that Guns N' Roses now and again are like, all right, we're going to do this show at the Apollo for Sirius XM. So they get to get that like intimate experience out of them and then go play MSG. And they'll, I'm sure they're going to do other gigs like that every now and again. So they, they kind of get whatever they want. The best of both worlds. I, like I don't see Slash leaving to do any of that stuff. I'm pretty sure on his time off, he's probably going to enjoy his snakes and whatever other hobbies he has. I don't know what other hobbies Slash has. Well, probably lifting weights because his arms are fucking huge. That but. too. But he's also big in the... I think he's a horror movie uh, production company. Yeah, that too. He loves horror movies, you know, and I know Axel's into, like, collecting knives. I do know that. Oh, is he? Yeah. Uh, you call that so, a knife? <laughs> so, yeah, I, like, I think their time away... Well, actually, with Axel doing Axel DC, if that comes about again, I mean, right. he hasn't had any time off, so... I, unlike Duff, I think when Slash has his time away from the band for a few months, I'm pretty sure he'll enjoy it with his girlfriend and all that stuff. Yeah, that probably. Because uh, there was one comment from uh, one of our new favorite listeners, Tomislav from Croatia. I love the fact that all over the world, Sweden, out to yeah. Croatia, he goes, hey guys, I have an idea. I think we just need to put pressure on GNR to make a, a new album. I think it's about time. Let's go. So maybe... Well, how do, how do let's we get do that? that? Let's get that. I don't know. Maybe, I, don't, I don't think like any of the guys are sitting around like, wait, <laughs> Appetite for Distortion said we have to do it? Fuck no, it, we're doing it. Tomislav from Croatia. <laughs> said it, but I'm saying if there's not a new tour, let's get a new uh, album or a new some new music. Let's Personally, get that I'd rather see a new album than anything else. Yeah. I feel like the tour, like uh, th leading up to the tour, I was so amped, it's, uh, so amped that it led to the creation of this podcast. Honestly, yeah. uh -huh. that I was just like, man, this is great. This is going to be the next big thing. So I'm always thinking, just kind of the way I am. What's the next big thing from here? That's and for exactly. me, the next big thing would be an album, not another tour. Like I, another tour is great. You know, I'm not saying it was a negative thing, but like I want to see something new and exciting. And for me, that would be Axel and Slash and Duff and the current lineup putting out a new album. That Hopefully, with could you imagine if they get like a guest appearance from Izzy or a guest appearance from there are uh, a lot of options, Steven. You know what? Even a guest appearance from uh, Billy Joel on the record. Yeah. I mean, they have that ability to do that now. And I think that's what a lot of fans are looking forward uh, forward to because that supposed big announcement a few months ago was just the third leg of a tour. People have to keep and in it, mind, too, that they've done all of this with pretty much no press whatsoever. 
So the thing is, you or know, odd press. Remember when you were sending me texts of the uh, when they had the casino uh, thing, um, slot machines, the slot machines, yeah. and then they had. That's not even press, you know. It's just that's like, what I mean. It's odd press. Yeah. Like, what would you call that? That's. Like I mean, a, I think it's just another venture, you know, to make money. Honestly, I mean. Or what did you see in theaters that you said you saw like some sort of quick preview? Uh, I didn't. I remember, but for the Star Wars movie, yeah, it was like were, a ten second thing. Yeah, so, and it was all over the internet. Yeah, so there was like these little blues clues everywhere. It wasn't like real press. It was just you know. But if uh, they decide they want to do like another massive tour, and then they start going on like Jimmy Kimmel, as we were just talking about, and um, you know Jimmy Fallon and all that stuff, and, right. and just. Uh, they they could do any show that they want to. They they could be all over the news, you know, on TV. But they, they've just opted not to. But they could definitely reinvigorate some enthusiasm and probably do another three nights at the Garden a year from now, you know. So it's – the possibilities are endless. What I personally would like to see, though, is a new full-length album. Yes, and uh, less covers. I like <laughs> I like every single one of these covers. I really do, especially uh, Wichita Lineman. I fucking love it. Yeah, but you got to bring back some of the uh, the older catalog. That's just like what I want. So I, I wish I which I they guess do this... do though. To be to be fair, Sometime... they're not doing a greatest hits set. You know, they're doing greatest hits and some obscure stuff. Oh, the fact that I heard uh, yesterday's at, at MSG was amazing. I was very happy with that. Yeah. So, yes, I, I do agree. Uh, but I'm just trying to think of, and this is what we love and don't love about this band, is the, the mystery behind it. Why all the covers? Why all the Chinese democracy <laughs> stuff? What what like what's the, Is there a reason behind it? Uh, you know, we played the clip before when Axel said Duff and Slash went to him wanting to play the Chinese material. Is it as simple as that? Or... Are they trying to now rebrand the Chinese material with Slash and Duff so they can make another record from, hope, Axel, from Axel's so unreleased stuff? So there's just there's a lot of questions. Yeah, if it's if it's a Slash album, I want to see Slash writing on it and Duff writing on it. So that's I agree. I yeah, agree. I wouldn't want to see them redo or like do DJ Ashba material or, or even something. Buckethead. No offense to Ashba. No, even Buckethead. You know, even. Watching, which I, I try to take a page out of your book and and not watch <laughs> the live shows and just, oh, yeah. and just enjoy it when I'm there. But watching Slash do there was a time was a little weird because I just kept visualizing Buckethead doing it for all these years. Yeah, but but it, I guess it's the reverse. The same way Buckethead playing Welcome to the Jungle at that time. Yeah. So it's but he a, makes the souls his own, you know, which is great to yeah, see. Yeah, so it's um. We'll see where this goes, and that's what we're here for, to get through all the distortion, to talk about it, uh, for you to talk about it. appreciate all the feedback. It's well, just fucking awesome. One last thing um, before we wrap up here. Yes, that, my that, dear Ian. That I got to see. Um, I, I told you that I was seeing Newfound Glory, I think, while you were doing the um, Bob Rock ep- episode, right? Uh, uh, Joe Rock. Sorry. I while you were doing Bob the, Rock. <laughs> Bob Rock would be awesome. Uh, while you were doing the Joe Rock episode. Yeah, I, think I was I surprised. Newfound Glory. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a fan of theirs. So They're like the I, only I... band I like of that genre, pretty much. Okay. But so what they did during this whole 20-year anniversary tour Every single night, they did two different albums in their entirety. That's pretty cool, and I've never seen that done before, and they were not done in order. They just mashed around both albums and did every song from those two albums, oh, wow. and then threw in like another two songs. Interesting. I yeah. would have liked that. 
Yeah, I think it's a cool. I like. Could you imagine seeing Guns N' Roses do both the usual losings in their entirety? I just cream my pants. <laughs> or doing Appetite for Destruction and, <laughs> and Chinese, Chinese Democracy. <laughs> I think those would be. I mean, that would excite fans. That, it would excite me. <laughs> that would excite me too. Absolutely. Well, there's a lot of possibilities, and I guess this is again the double-sided um, or double-edged sword that we don't know these things, but there's a lot of possibilities that we can ponder about and think about and get excited for. So. We'll see. Yeah. Right. So, anything else, my dear Ian? No, that's it. Okay. Uh, follow us as always on Twitter at, at the AFD Show. You can follow me on Twitter at Ian Scotto. I'm up to like a whole bunch of different stuff, and I'll announce it all as it uh, comes about. But uh, yeah, no, Brando's been holding it down every single episode, even the ones that I'm not here. So trying to do, trying to do it. You didn't care. I was like, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to be separated from you. I don't want to do a show with you. And you're like, no, no, do it. And so I've been having fun, whether it's with a guest or a co-host and John Miller or Art Tavana, and they'll be joining us for future episodes, of course. Um, and just everyone who's been a part of it. Uh, Walker, of course, he's gonna come back on. Really yeah, I, I want to ask him about which songs he thinks are shots at Slash and the other because I've heard Riyadh and the Bedouins. I think Sorry, it's safe to say, is about Slash and the other guys. And the fact that he plays it now, though, I mean, yeah, it's just it's so. There's a lot more to talk about with Walker. Uh, the feedback on that episode was fantastic. Uh, I will say before we get out of here, um, obviously I'm super excited to have spoken with Ryan Roxy, but we were supposed to speak with Rick Richards. Uh, today and for some reason I haven't heard back from him I don't know Rick Richards who uh, used to be in Pyrus and play with Izzy back in the day uh, hopefully soon I was given his number by third party so it wasn't like I you know I was being annoying I guess and he's like oh yeah well, he agreed to it kept trying to follow up didn't hear back I'm not gonna, since I've been in therapy and I'm on medication <laughs> I'm not gonna take it personally and just say, I hope he's alive. And hopefully we'll talk to Rick Richards uh, sometime in the future. I know I just mentioned it on the Joe Rock podcast, thinking it was confirmed. Yeah. So if you did hear that, did not forget. I like to keep things real here. So um, hopefully sometime in the future, but definitely uh, some uh, more exciting guests to come. I will say that. Rock on. All right. So as far as the next episode of Appetite for Distortion, well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy. I don't know. Soon is the word, but you'll see it. You've been listening to the distorted minds of Brando and Scotto, dissecting all things Guns N' Roses on Appetite for Distortion. Follow the guys on Twitter at The AFD Show and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The AFD Show. security, I'm going home.